and that's it. So there, there are these multiple, multiple uh, summons, if you will, uh, to attention during the Greek rite or during the Byzantine rite. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, uh, the 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 and and interestingly, it's often connected with that word wisdom, and it's said uh, just as a sort of an ejaculation: wisdom, be attentive, or wisdom, let us be attentive. And I think "let us be attentive" is actually the proper translation of it. But the, the, so there you go. There, there. That's the that's what the Greeks do. Um, and all the while the people are hearing this, they're supposed to take this admonition seriously that, okay, what, what's being said is you are sitting here before the holy things. You are sitting here doing, you know, participating in not something you're doing, but something that's coming down from heaven and you're pr- pr- privileged to be a participant in it. So have the courtesy uh, of the heavenly court to, to pay attention. Now, the Latin rite is certainly not without references to attention. And um, in order to, to point that out, l- let me just quote from you from a beautiful prayer that is to be said before the recitation of the divine office. There are a couple of prayers. There's a shorter one after this, and then I'm going to read, but the shorter one I'll skip. Um, so here's the, here's the longer one, and I'll, I'll read it in Latin, and then I'll read it in English. Aperi Domine Osmeum ad benedictionem nomen sanctum tuum. Munda quoque cor meum ab omnibus vanis perversit et alienis cogitationibus intellectum illumina affectum inflama ut digne attende ac devote hoc officium recitare valiam et accedere meriar ante conspectum divine majestatis tui per Christum Dominum nostrum amen what does that mean now you may notice that i emphasize certain words uh, o holy o, o lord open thou my mouth to bless thy holy name. Cleanse my heart also from all vain, evil, and wandering thoughts. Enlighten my understanding and kindle my affections that I may be able to recite this office worthily, attentively, and devoutly, and may deserve to be heard in the presence of thy divine majesty through Christ our Lord. Amen. So that's uh, one of the prayers to be recited before any hour of the office before the recitation of any hour of the office. Now, when it comes to reciting the office, the monks, of course, did this, as it were, professionally, right? That was their, that was their main function, to pray the so-called Opus Dei, to do the so-called Opus Dei, the work of God. Before the Opus Dei was a, an organization in the church established um, by that Spaniard, uh, priest, it was something else. It was something much greater. It was uh, the divine office, which is which is the work of God, as it was called by Saint Benedict in his rule, where he famously says of his monks, "Let none prefer anything to the work of God." The Opus Dei. Um, I, I'm kind of amazed that the Church actually allowed that group to take that name. As 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 its name, I I, I don't. It, it, that's one of the one of the weird things about twentieth century church history to me that that name, which was sacrosanct to, for the divine office, was actually employed in, in the name of an organization, which is not very liturgical. It never was from the beginning. But I digress. Let me pay attention to what it is I'm supposed to be talking about. So 
Dom Marmion, the great Benedictine monk, who writes, of course, uh, quite a bit about monkish things, um, tells us, and I'm, I'm, I don't have the book in front of me, it's been years since I've read it, but he tells us somewhere in that wonderful big book, Christ the Life of the Monk, or Christ the Ideal of the Monk, I think. No, it's Christ the Life of the Monk. Um, he says in that book uh, that there are two kinds of attention during the divine office, because, of course, when you consider that the monks were in choir, um, for something like seven hours a day, uh, if they do the, the, the whole office song, including matins, um, which used to be done at midnight, but even Dom Guerinjay, when he revived the Benedictines in France, didn't have them get up at midnight. They got up early in the morning to pray matins, to which they appended louds, but um, he, he didn't have them interrupt their sleep um, at midnight as St. Benedict actually did. But anyway, Dom Marmion talks about there being two kinds of attention at the divine office. When you're in the office that long, that much a day, it's kind of physically impossible to pay attention to every single word, every single sentence that you're praying. So he said there's the attention, there's kind of like the minute attention, the attention to every little word, every little thing, every little rubric, every movement, and so forth. But then there's what he calls the general attention to God during the prayers. Sometimes we can have failed to attend to every single word, but we can have a general attention to God, to the adoration of God, to the praise of God, to to thanking him, to petitioning him, uh, to making reparation for sin. As you're praying the office, even if we we aren't reflecting on every word that passes our lips. And uh, one of the things that he he says is that it's a a common monastic practice that if if during the psalm, uh, because the divine office is mostly psalmody, the recitation of the psalms or singing of the psalms, um, if there's some distraction during the psalm itself, at the end of the psalm, when we sing the Gloria Patri, that that's kind of an invitation to to um, re-attend, to refocus our attention. And the prayers are aided, and the attention, I would argue, is aided, and I'm not unique in arguing this by a long shot, is aided by the bodily postures. Because, of course, when you sing the Gloria Patri, uh, you are bowing, right? Um, depending upon where you are in in the in the church, you're turning towards the tabernacle, and bowing to uh, to recite or to sing, to chant the Gloria Patriot Filio et Spiritui Sancto, and that bow itself, that bodily gesture sort of renews one's attention. And liturgy is full of this sort of thing, where our attention is being grabbed by the music, it's grabbed by the iconography, it's grabbed by the, um, the, the, the various appurtenances in the church. Um, ideally, the priest, the deacon, the subdeacon would all sing well. Um, I'm not saying they all have to be, um, you know, exactly professional singers. Um, I almost said Luciano Pavarotti, but that kind of thing would be completely inappropriate in liturgy anyway. Um, it's not as if they need to be professionals, but hopefully they've had some sort of competency uh, at, at singing. And th- there's a joke, by the way, in the Eastern Church that I do think is kind of funny. Um, 
Because it shows you how much singing's done by the deacon, because the deacon does a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to singing, the readings and so forth. And the, the joke is that when the deacon loses his voice, they ordain him a priest. And then, and then when the priest loses his mind, they make him a bishop. <laughs> now, I don't know how widespread that joke is in the Eastern Rites. A, a friend of mine who was Melkite told me that. But anyway, the, in the Eastern Rites, if you can't sing, you simply can't be a priest. I knew a priest of the Latin Rite. Who, whose singing was quite miserable. And when he heard me <laughs> at one point uh, talking, not about him, about how priests should learn to sing and so forth, and how important it is to be able to sing the liturgy, he, um, he pointed out to me that if, if, if those demands were, were made when he was in seminary, he wouldn't have been ordained. Um, anyway, let's pass along from that. All of these things in the liturgy, the singing, the music, the the, the sacred architecture, everything is meant to draw our attention. That's the point. It's all to draw our attention to God, to, to the divine mysteries, to the God-man, our Lord Jesus Christ, to his blessed mother, to his angels, to his saints, to the divine court, to the four last things, Right? Uh, to our whole purpose in life, which is first to give glory to God, to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? All of these things are, are supposed to be attended to, and in the liturgy and in the sacred space of the church, we're supposed to be have our attention elevated to those things. Um, now, it's not to say that... Um, the saints never had distractions. There's a hilarious letter written by St. Teresa of Avila to her spiritual director where she's accusing herself um, violently of the distractions that she suffered. There was, a, there was some construction being done in the convent, and the, 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 the workmen were slobs, and they had left stuff all over the chapel, and they were—and and this is, you know, before the sisters have to go in to have, to have mass, right? So the priest is offering mass. The sisters, of course, have to be in the cloister, uh, 